Next Chapter Podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Thick Skin with Jock and Hawk. I'm your boy, Jock Jones. And I'm that boy, Troy Hawkins. That boy. This show is called Thick Skin because you have to have thick skin to be in the spotlight, whether you're a professional athlete like me and Hawk who played in the bigs or an entertainer. The media will come after you. So you better get ready. We're here to tell it like it is, correcting the media when they get it wrong and they do get it wrong and dive deep into the world of sports, all sports and entertainment from an athlete's perspective. We got a great show ahead for you tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cowboys. A <laughs> little bit about our boy Dusty, but we got a great show ahead for you tonight. Let's get it on, Hawk. Thick skin. It's a good weekend of football in the NFL, playoff football at that. The Chiefs won. You know, the Texans won. <laughs> Packers won. And who did the Packers beat? They beat them boys. They beat them little boys. They beat them little boys. They beat them little boys. Them little itty teeny tiny tiny boys. <laughs> So I was this past weekend, I was in Arizona with the MLB Develops doing Breakthrough Series. All right. And the director of the uh, Breakthrough Series, Tony Regans, used to be the GM for the Los Angeles Angels. He is a huge Cowboy fan. And I always talk stuff to him. And he first thing he said to me, oh, you hadn't been texting me this year. You ain't sent me no text message. Blah, 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 blah. I said, you better shut up or y'all get upset. <laughs> hey, you better shut up. And he kept talking, and he kept talking. And then it happened. And then they scored. And then the pick six. And then I started texting. And I started talking trash. And I told him, if the Cowboys lose, you better be on a red eye back to New York because I'm letting you have it on Monday. Hey, man, let me t- let me tell you something. You better than me because I tell all my Cowboy friends here in San Diego and a lot of my friends on social media, hey, man, you guys are, are the boys. You them boys from week one to week about 13 or 14. Then they start that slide. And then January comes up. And that second week of January, boys, and they get real, real quiet. So when the Packers was taxing that behind, boy, I was shooting out text messages left or right. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just, it is hilarious. It's like every, every January. So who do you think is to blame for that? Laying an egg, them not showing up. Um, I won't say they didn't show up. I don't like to say that. They wasn't prepared. What do you think went wrong? I, You know what? I heard Damian Woody on uh, on a, a show um, earlier in the week, and he said my sentiments exactly, right? Mm-hmm. He said, man, they just got the ass whooped. They, they, they didn't win any one-on-ones, right? Man for man, they just got beat up. And people like to blame the coaches. They like to blame the schemes. They like to blame this. They like to blame the weather. They like to blame, like, they just lined up and got beat at every position, like, the whole game until the Packers let up in the last, I'll say, the last. The beginning of the fourth quarter. Beginning of the fourth quarter is when they took the foot off the gas. But other than that, man, they beat Dallas in every way possible. And, and. I'm pretty sure that McCarthy had a, a good game plan. I'm pretty sure they saw plenty of film. I'm pretty sure they thought they had good matchups all over the place. But the Packers just came in and everything was clicking. I mean, the quarterback had a, a near perfect uh, a quarterback passer rating. And, and, like, you can't prepare for that, bro. 
No, you can't. And I look at it like this. <clears throat> I think fans underestimated the Packers run offense. And they, I think they were, I think they're overly excited about the way their defense had performed over the course of a season, of the season. Because we know they didn't perform against really good teams. Never. They only performed against the teams that had losing records. Yep. Um, not holding that against them, but we have to say it. So when you run the ball like that in the NFL, like the Packers were running on them, they got them going down here. They were going all the running backs. Jones, they were running downhill. They had the entire defense on the heels. Well, okay, well, man, they're running the ball. They're getting eight, nine yards of carry. Now we have to put an extra man in the box. Now we got all these one-on-one situations out with our wide receivers. And you just need your wide receivers to catch the ball at that point. And then they started to put a little pressure on Jordan Love, and he made every right decision in every throw. Every right decision in every throw. So I don't know if their game plan was – the Cowboys' game plan was necessarily, you know, they didn't prepare. It's just like they had two facets of the game, the Packers, that they could not stop. When they decided to stop the run, they left their corners on the island. When they started – just when they tried to go to the zone, they left their linebackers on the island. So it was just one of those things where they – they just got beat on the – they just got dominated on the ball on both sides. And it happens. It happens. Um, I think I saw a stat where our boy had – the Cowboys have – the Packers have more wins at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys have in the playoffs. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. I saw – Think about it. I saw that. I saw that. That's – that's uh, – the the Cheesehead Stadium of the Midwest during January. <laughs> oh, 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 that's cold. <laughs> and they also saw a stat about Michael Parsons. Yep. I'm trying to pull it up because I sent it to Tony Regan so he can stop complaining. It's embarrassing. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it says Seth Walder. He's an NFL guy. Michael Parsons had a pass rush get off time of. 0.93 seconds yesterday on average. Yep. That's far slower than his 0.79 average in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Probably can be partly attributed to the Dallas being behind fuel pass only situations. Yep. So, like my boy Shannon Sharp said, that got a lot of empty calories. And you see the stat he threw for three empty calories. Ain't no fat. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. And 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 Parsons was a non-factor because they were double teaming him and they were triple teaming him. And they were chipping them, and they were just making sure just 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 long enough to where Love could you know go through his progressions and and hit high was open. So he he had no pressure on him most of the game. He had no pressure. I, I don't even believe they got a quarterback sack uh, on Sunday. Do you believe it's Jerry Jones' fault? Uh, I I you know what I'd say no because he's he always puts them in a position to he'll he'll go out and try to get whatever it is they need. When you got an owner like that, I mean, you can't. I don't know if he tries to get involved with personnel decision once they get there, but he goes and gets whatever they need, and you can't fault him for that. No, you can't. I I look at it this way. 
oh, they said he's a general manager, he's the owner, he's a head coach, and he's that. He can't be all those things at once. I look at it this way. Like you said, he doesn't throw any passes. He doesn't tackle anybody. He he had recorded one sack in NFL. Yeah, yeah, they weren't tackling anybody either, though. (laughs) He always put them in a situation. He always have guys on the team to put them in a position where they can win. They win in the Super Bowl, that's on them. But as far as, you know, know, being in this big market in Dallas, the Metroplex, being self-proclaimed America's team, He's always putting a good product on the field. All the time. Today, like, what more can you ask for? Um, I know they want championships, but I do know this. Out of all the professional sports, winning a championship is the hardest thing to do by far. Of course. But even more, I think it's, it's even more challenging in the NFL because there's so much parity. Well, there's there's parity, but you get – in any other sport, you got to – Two out of three, you got a, a three out of five, you got a four out of seven, right? It, it, NFL, well, if you ain't got it that week, you out. You're out. No. You know what I'm saying? No. So it ain't no it ain't no two out of three. It's, it's hey, we lining up with you on Sunday and may the best man win. So we're going to compare Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. They compared them. I, I don't – I don't – the only comparison I have about those guys is – I don't think Jordan Love is a risk risk taker, unslinger like Brett Favre was. Brett Favre didn't mind throwing an interception. He did. He did not throw. He didn't mind throwing an interception. He, he never met a throw he didn't like. No, he never had a throw he didn't like. He was going to try it. Yep. And you know what? If he threw an interception, you know what? It it never gave him the. Um, he never got. He never had he he was never in fear of throwing an interception. He was never gun shy, bro. He was a gunslinger. Yeah, he was a gunslinger. I don't look at Jordan Love as a gunslinger. No. No. And and I'll say this. Jordan Love is relatively new. This is really his first full year as a quarterback. Um he uh he he's has to be careful with the ball. Um he he's still maybe a little bit unsure of himself. He's getting more confident, you know, as as the weeks go by. But Maybe two or three years from now, he might become that. But right now, he he takes care of the ball and he makes sure he's you know he gets it to the open man. Well, the one thing we we was we uh, witnessed this weekend is the team that took care of the ball won the game. Absolutely, turnovers in the playoffs will kill you. Absolutely. And we move on to the Steelers Bills game. Me personally, I didn't think Steelers had a chance. I really did not think they had a chance, and simply because. The Bills had gotten better each and every week. They got better. And when you have a quarterback like Mr. Allen, he is he can make every throw off platform. Um, he's big. He's physical. He's fast. He's not afraid to take a hit. Mm-hmm. And he can throw the damn ball the length of a football field. <laughs> so, I mean, and he makes really good decisions. Um, they, they played a good game. They played a good game against an inferior club. Yeah. Um, but they they got a dogfight next week because there's no there's for the Chiefs, it's a dogfight for them as well. There's no, oh well, our team, the team we're the opponent we're playing is, you know, they're not used to the cold weather. No, it's cold weather against cold weather next next Sunday. Listen, they know each other, man. They've 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 hooked up a couple times in the postseason. 
They know what each other is about. They know their tendencies. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. Uh, it, it's they always have a, a, a special uh, uh, contest when those two guys hook up because they're both tough. They're both they both will their teams to win. They both know how to you know <clears throat> distribute the ball. Um, sometimes Allen gets a little careless because he was one of the top two quarterbacks in the league with turnovers this year. Um, so, you know, it, like you said, it's going to come down to the team that that takes care of the ball the best and makes the least mistakes. It always does. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of the football. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of the football. Mm-hmm. So after that game, the Bills beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin, see the longest tenure head coach in the NFL. If not, he's very close to the top. During his post-game interview, mm-hmm. Florida asked him about his future <laughs> in Pittsburgh. And he immediately created his own meme. Because <laughs> the way he looked, his eyes. Yeah, he was like a he was like a little a, a little sheepish, sheepish little boy. <laughs> so he was like, you're stupid. I've asked this question all season. I'm excellent stage left right now. I'm out of here. What do you have on it? Do you think he handled it in a non-professional way, or how do you think he handled that situation? I think he handled it in a Mike Tomlin way. You never hear Mike Tomlin with with uh, <clears throat> lightning rod quotes. You never hear Mike Tomlin uh, uh, in spats with the media, right? He, he's very articulate. He takes his time when he speaks. Uh, he speaks eloquently. Um, he speaks respectfully. And he just, you know, he, he he's like a Bill Belichick where he, he doesn't give you much, but he does it in a more tactful way, right? So when he doesn't want to answer questions, he knows how to get around it. And when he's done, he's done. So I think he handled it in the way he thought he did. I had no problems with it. Yeah, he, this was, enter, I think he was entering his last year of his contract mm-hmm. again. The lady asked a legitimate question, but I, <clears throat> there was a time and place for everything. Yep. And like you said, he's always he's always a stand-up guy. Yep. Always a stand-up yep. guy. Um, so if he felt the need to exit that interview before he said something that he probably was going to regret, more power to him. Exactly. And and I, I wish people would listen to the the interview because their PR person asked are there any more questions? Something similar to that. And then she threw that out there. She threw a lob, like a lob right. to him. And he's like, you know what? I waited. That's right. all you got? Let me say that question for my, my off-season <laughs> interview. <laughs> Basically, that's something you need to ask the owners of the front office. Right now, I'm talking about the team. You know what I'm saying? We just came off a tough loss. Any, you know. That's it. But at some point, he's going to have to answer that question. He wasn't ready to answer that question that particular time. But at some point, he's going to have to answer that question, his future. And I don't think, for me, I don't think he he needed to answer that question right then. It was all about the game, not about him. And like you said, he's that coach. He always makes it about his players, not him. And and you know what? He don't, I, I don't even think he has to answer the question, Hawk. I think the answer will come with whatever the owners decide. They'll answer the question for the media. Do you understand what I'm saying? He might do an exit interview or something, and it's going to come up. And maybe he's saving that quote for a reporter that he like, one of his old boys in Pittsburgh. Maybe. We don't know. 
But he was entitled to exit stage left uh, with no problem at all. Yep. We get to the Chiefs. How about them Chiefs? Jeez. It was cold in Kansas City, boy. I don't know if you ever catch me watching anybody do anything in that type of cold. No, 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 no. Unless I'm in a, a, a box. But uh, as the kids say, no, no. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, as again, the media has been very, very critical to his performance. Yeah. Um, you think it's warranted or do you think that the media has been the media and just, just trying to pile on because they're overmatched? Some of it goes on him, right? Because he's out there playing. He's out there decision. Some of it goes on him. Some of it is the other team. Some of it is his own team, right? But, like, <laughs> he's no different than any other quarterback in the league. He's going to make some good plays. He's going to make some bad plays. They're going to win some. They're going to lose some. He, I, like, he's not like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, where he's going to put the team on his back <clears throat> and carry them and and do all the things that these guys do. He, he's got an offense where he's got some weapons. He's going to get them the ball. They're going to do their thing. He's got a running game. That, that's going to take some of the heat off the passing, after the pass rush in the passing game. Um, but they expect, they expect him or expect are expecting him to put that team on his back and that's just I, I just don't think that he's a type of that type of quarterback. That's just my opinion. I'm I'm with you. He's not as dynamic as those two guys you've mentioned in Allen and Mahomes. Um I think I know he can he can spin the ball. Of course. He has a touch. Yes. I think uh Spagnosa, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, did a incredible job on Confusing Tua, I think he did a he did an incredible job being physical with the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you had Jarius Sneed on Tariq Hill, and the only play that they scored on was the play when he lined up on the far left. He went across. Jarius Sneed had to stay on stay on the left, and McDuffie had to pick him up, and you know he threw the pass downfield for the touchdown, but I don't, I just think they, I think the Chiefs was more physical at the line of scrimmage. And I think that was the biggest, that was the turning point of the game. Miami defense actually played pretty damn well. For sure. They've been playing good well. They kept the Chiefs out of the end zone. Bucker kicked four field goals, four field goals. Mm-hmm. He kept them out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think two has been as prolific as, he probably was projected to be because of the the um, concussions right. and his injuries right. a couple of years ago. And he ran his longest run in that game for the season. And that was 10 yards. So he's staying in the pocket. They're getting the ball out of his hands as quick as possible and making sure that he stays upright. But um, I'm, I don't, I don't. I'm not pointing all getting all, giving to all the blame. I think the blame is collective throughout the you know throughout the organization, um, the coaches and the players. But I also think it's just like when they played in week maybe eight. I think in London they were just overmatched. Like they're overmatched. It's like 
Some games you have an opportunity to win and some you have no chance. And I don't think the Miami Dolphins had a chance to win in Kansas City last Saturday night in those conditions because I think the Chiefs would have beat them had they played in Miami or in or in Kansas City. But they were just they were overmatched. And I, I will say, and I, I hate I'm gonna say this and I hate that I'm saying it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. But they had they had you know, some of their key players get injured on the defensive side. Um, uh, Miami did. But everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt in January, right? But, I, I, I mean, I want to point that out, that they did have some key guys missing on their side of the ball, but you still got to line up and play. The Bills are wounded on defense. They're wounded also. Um, but, again, it's it's January. Guys are going to be hurt, injured. You're going to have some guys playing hurt, and you're going to have some guys that, that won't be able to suit up and go out and help their team. Um, through the midst of the playoffs, before it started, we had Nick Saban. Yeah, road tied. All of a sudden, said, "You know what? He he blew the whole NCAA and <laughs> the sports world to deuces like this. He, he did. <laughs> like I'm out. He did. I've done everything I could do with this, and for the game of football." Um, and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Um, He had a legendary career. He sure did. He's put countless young men in the NFL. Um, He did a lot of things um, in his personal life, help people that he never, he never wanted the, um, the notoriety about. He wanted to try to do it anonymous. And I, I, I admire that because, yep. you know, like we were not ones who seek out the, you know, the, the media and all that good stuff when we do something for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the same. And since he's, he stepped down in Alabama, he's, you know, some of those stories have come to light right. and it just, it, it, it just reassures, it reaffirms to me why I like Nick Saban. Uh, uh, you know what, man? I, I'll tell you when I really gain respect for Coach Saban because I, I just, you know, just watching his press conferences and how he is on the sideline, I thought he was a little abrasive, right? <clears throat> but, I and I can't remember the name of the player. It was probably mm, four or five years ago, maybe. Uh, player got in trouble. And then, you know, of course, the media wants him to take the kid's scholarship and, and get him out of the program, right? And they asked him about the kid. And he goes, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to take his scholarship? Do you want me to send him home? You know, so that can get in more trouble. <clears throat> what do you want me to do with him? Right? He goes, I'm not gonna do that. I, we're gonna handle this in-house. I'm gonna talk with him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna discipline him how we feel like we need to discipline him. But I'm not gonna turn my back on him. And Hawk, when I when I saw that um interview, <clears throat> when I heard him say that, I gained so much more respect for Coach Saban than I had, you know, prior to that. So um and and to to just think that he's probably the best head coach in Alabama history when they had Coach Bryant. <laughs> I mean, that's saying a lot about what uh, Coach Saban did at in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and you have some <clears throat> some dealings in Tuscaloosa because Jack yep. Jones Jr. graduated from uh, Alabama, yep. and you spent some time down there when when Junior was a student. Yep. 
Well, you have a, a connection to a road tie. I do. Definitely. I spent a lot of money there. <laughs> hey, it's only money, bro. I, it's only I know. Money. I know. Money. Yep. Got a good education. Yeah, my son was a little crushed when uh, Coach Saban stepped down. So, yeah, I'm sure most of the Road Tie fans were crushed, and comes a time in in the guy's life where, you know what? Like, what more could he accomplish there? Like, what can he do? And then you bring in a coach who just played for the national championship. I mean, like, at least they did that right. I mean, they I think they got that right. I think they got it right. Yeah, time and, to tell, but it, I mean, they could have. It's not a bad decision. It's actually a pretty good decision. That they- yeah. I mean, it's obvious the guy can recruit, mm-hmm. which is major when, you, when you're when at a big school like that. You have to be able to recruit because you have other schools that are pretty darn good as well. Um, he did a great job at, at Washington recruiting and going in the portal and recruiting. I don't know if he's going to have to go in the portal much at Alabama to do some recruiting. I think he's going to be all right. What do you think? He's he going to have to go in the portal because there are some guys that <laughs> – Got in the portal and Coach David left, so he may have to. He lost. He lost two key receivers. Um, yeah, so he's gonna have, he he might have to kick some can down in the portal to replace some of those guys. They'll be back because the NC is all about the highest bidder, and I don't see Alabama losing out. We'll see to uh, Georgia or a Clemson or a LSU on a receiver when they know. Where their competition is, even losing out the last couple of years with Coach Saban there, so um, we'll we'll see. Really, where they lose out at? They still playing in the final four every year. Jeez, yeah, but still. Um, but I know we were uh, talking a little bit about the pressure that uh, Coach DeBoer is facing in Alabama. Uh, that's just those are some huge shoes to fill at such a. Uh, Football powerhouse. Um, come from Washington where, yeah, they want you to win and it's cool if you win. And they went to a national championship and, and came up short. But, I mean, Alabama, at Alabama, you're expected to compete for a national championship every year. No if ands, what's, or buts about it. Rightfully so, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're paying to get players to come there and, and – <laughs> I mean, they have to win. Oh, for sure. I'm not an Alabama fan. Um, and that's not because I don't like Alabama. Right. Because I'm not a football guy. Right. I mean, I'll watch the, the, the playoffs. Yep. And But that's about it. That's my extent of watching college football. Everybody, you got to go to LSU. I ain't got to go watch no 18 yeah. or 22. Nothing. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. But play baseball. <laughs> that's it. Yep. That's all I want to see him do. Yep. Maybe in college basketball. I take that back. College basketball because Kansas is playing right now. Oklahoma State. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big KU fan. Yeah, but you had a, you had a tie there, just like I had a tie in Alabama. So, <laughs> yep. Oh boy, Johnny B. Oh man, went to the front office and <laughs> with San Francisco Giants, yeah. one of his few organizations where he managed the team. Yep. And. You know, we can do. We can sit here and talk all day and never say a bad thing about Dusty Baker because I look at him as my baseball dad. I know you feel the same about him. Yep. Um, he's just a incredible, fantastic, amazing human being. Yep. That's what he is. Yep. That's what he is. And and whatever we say about him and whatever anyone says about him, um, I think he's better than what we ever could say about him. Um, because of the things that he's accomplished 
as not only as a manager, but should he get slighted as a player? He went a, a World Series as a player. He was a pretty good, you know, outfielder. You tell me, like I had, I had this. Oh yeah, he had it all. He could run, he could throw, and he could hit, and he could hit for power. Right? I said, "What's that, Dusty?" He said, "That wrist, <laughs> that wrist action." <laughs> He's like, "You got that wrist." I had that wrist. Uh, I'm like, okay, that's how it worked. Uh, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. Yeah, man. He's a baseball lifer, man. And I, he can't, I, I talked to him. I got a chance, of course, just like you did, but I got a chance to know him uh, really well after playing uh, for him and then coaching with him and then keeping contact with him. We talk at least once a week. I, as a matter of fact, I talked to him today and I talked to him yesterday and I congratulated him on getting back in the game um, and and getting into a position to where, you know, it probably would be a little bit a little less taxing on his body, but he can still be in the game that he loves, and he's he's so excited to, um, you know, try to help shape that roster and help shape uh, um, their team and get those guys back to the playoffs and and eventually a World Series. So, I always think about baseball and how we love. The love, the passion we have for this game. Mm-hmm. But that love and passion we have is better when you have guys like Dusty in it. Yep. It's much better. Yep. It's much better. Yep. And it's even better when you can just pick up the phone and call him and be like, hey, Dusty. So you know what that means? We got to get Dusty on the show. And I know he's already said he's down to get on the show. Yep. We're going to make that happen. But you know what? I was I don't know if I was the happiest guy. I know you're pretty damn happy too when he won the won the World Series. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll stand here and say today I shed a tear because mm-hmm. I heard I've fought with people talking shit about Dusty. Same here, man. His inability to win. Same here. And they put him in a situation where they thought that he wasn't going to succeed. Of course. And he exceeded expectations. Every time. Every time. With the Cubs, with the Giants, you know what I'm saying? Yep. With the Astros. I mean, everywhere he went, with the Nationals. He he did well everywhere he went. And when he left, he left them in a good space. But when he left, they went downhill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I was just talking to, to Brian. I was talking to Brian before you hopped on earlier. It's like, Dusty's a very, very bright human being. But people make him out to be a, a, a dunce. People make him out to be a dummy. He's not. Man, I, I see articles all the time when, 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 oh, he doesn't know how to run a bullpen. He doesn't know how to do this. He doesn't know how to coach in. My boy Dusty hard on the bullpen, but guess what? He's different from nobody else. He ride the hot hand. Exactly. He's got my hot hand. Why would I put the guy there that's cold? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like he's the only manager ever to, to run a bullpen into the ground. Like, no. Well, that's what we're there for. We're there to be ran into the ground if that's what, what needs to happen. And if you don't use them, then why didn't you use them? You understand what I'm saying? So in a no win situation. Win situation, no win. Yeah, I, I always um, we talk about Dusty. And when I was, he managed me into 04 and 05 with the Cubs, and I grew up. You know, I grew up 30 minutes. Off, listeners don't. I grew up 30 minutes from Chicago, so when I went to play in Chicago with the Cubs, I was pretty much at home. Yeah. And where I grew up, it's all the Chocolate City, so everybody looks like us. Yep. And I would go home all the time, and it, it never fails. Everybody wanted to know how was Dusty Baker. And Dusty I, and I lived in the same building. It was him, I, myself, 
Corey Patterson and Mike Michael um, Barrett, Michael Barrett. We all lived in the same building. And I would tell people, I said, Dusty can come come right here in the middle of our neighborhood, Terrytown, yep. in Gary, Indiana. Terrytown Liquors. <laughs> Terrytown Liquor, and then right next to it is Terrytown Food, and right across the street is the Post, the Legion. Mm-hmm. And there's guys out there cooking. There's guys out there standing out, drinking all day long, doing what they do, hanging out on a corner, talking trash, you know, hollering at every car that come up, come down the road. Yep. Dusty can Dusty can come on any given day and do that, and you would not know he's not from that neighborhood. You would not know he's not born and raised in Gary, Indiana, in the 219 in the region. You would not know that. He'd fit right in. And he would fit right in and was at Southeast San Diego, right? Yep, right, right. Right. Where my homeboys met him, and they swear by him. They always ask me, hey, man, how's Uncle Dusty doing? Man, tell Uncle Dusty I said hello. Dusty got a lot of nephews, don't he? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he got way more nephews than Snoop. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then I follow that up with Dusty can go to the White House yep. and help solve some of the some of the the the, the, the world problems. This is not not the United States problems, problem. the world problems. The world so problem. he is for me the Renaissance man, true Renaissance. I'm glad man. you said that because I was going to say it if you didn't. He always tell me I'm a with that toothpick in his mouth. I'm a Renaissance man, huh? <laughs> and he is. And he liked to eat too. Oh. He liked to get down. He liked to eat. He taught me something. You'll never bring food in the clubhouse unless you bring somebody else something to eat. He makes sure his he makes sure his players never go hungry. Never go hungry. He spent two, three, four hundred dollars a day mm-hmm. making sure mm-hmm. the guys had some extra food to eat. We didn't need it, but if he went to eat somewhere before he got to the ballpark, he was bringing food to the clubhouse. Extra food for everybody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And he and and if and if. He was in the city, and he caught wind of what you like or something that you like there. Um, he was going to be uh, – he was going to go to that place or have somebody go to that place, and he was going to have somebody put it on your chair or in your locker. And, you know, he's going to make sure he took care of his players, man. And that's that's another thing that I can say about Dusty, man, is is he paid attention to his players. Uh, he was an ultimate players coach. And, like, if he knew anything about, about anybody, he was going to make sure – that he took care of him in whichever way he could. And I always respected him for that. Yeah, I got a great story, like, and then we'll wrap it up. But, okay. Um, in 2004, the last game of the season, I think I had 49 games finished, and I had started getting big bonuses every time, every five appearances, every five games finished. So I just had to be the last pitcher. Whether I got to save or not, I just needed yeah. to be the five yeah. the last pitcher. Yeah. And I had 49 going into – Game 162, and get into the last inning. They got a two-run lead. They call down. They get Farnsworth. Farnsworth, Kyle Farnsworth up. Mm-hmm. Farnsworth decided not to come to the bullpen that day. I mean, he was in the training room, wasn't feeling up to it, so he didn't show up. So Rothschild calls down to Porky. Porky, get Farnsworth up. Farnsworth not here. Mm-hmm. The fuck you mean he's not here? He's, he's not here. Hang up the phone. <laughs> I got the phone and they called back, get Hawkins up. <laughs> Two million dollar appearance, bro. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Dusty had no clue. But get him in. So I go in, get the get the uh save, games finished. Mm-hmm. You know, two weeks later to have the I mean a week later to have a at some point they have their organizational meetings and I guess it was brought up. And 
Dusty called me. He was like, hey, man, I didn't know that was a big appearance for you. I was like, I, you wasn't supposed to know. I was like, I was cool. If, I'm better I'm better that I got it, but I was cool if I didn't. Right. Like, more power to you, young man. More power to you. So I always thank Dusty for that, and I always thank Kyle Farnsworth for deciding, you know, he wasn't filling up to it that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But that's it. it's always a pleasure playing against, playing with Dusty, man. I mean, Mike Jackson always told me, hey, man, when you get to free agency, you get a chance. You got to play. Mm-hmm. You got to go play for Dusty, wherever he is. You got to. And my first time getting to free agency, lo and behold, I get to go to Chicago with Johnny B. Mm-hmm. Johnny B. Mm-hmm. Johnny B. And it's funny, Dusty told, somebody called Dusty about me. Oh, no, Dusty called um, Dan Gladden. Okay. When I was signing free agency, he was like, because him and D- Gladden cool, and he was like, hey, he's like, Danny, what you got on LaTroy Hawkins? <laughs> Danny G tells him, hey, when he started licking his finger and he got the cotton mouth, get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, three, two, I'm glad you paid attention to your boy. You got a good schedule coming up this week for the NFL playoffs. Yep. Uh, rolling with the Chiefs. Of course. And I think I'm going to take the Texans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm going to take the Packers over the 49ers. I'm going with the, the underdogs. I'm going with the, who you got? I got the 49ers. I got the 49ers. I'm rolling with the Texans. And, of course, I got to roll with the Chiefs. Got to roll with the Chiefs. If my Chargers ain't in it, then I got to roll with the Chiefs. All right. You better. <laughs> you better. You better, Joker. I roll with the Chiefs, man. You better, Joker. But um, it's another good episode, man. A thick skin. Oh, man. Always good to get on here. Did we, have, did we have our thick skin moment? Who's oh, our thick man. skin guy of the week? It has to be. I got to go with Mike Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. We got to give Mike Tomlin the thick skin of the week award. Thick skin of the week award yeah. just because. You know what? That, he created his own meme in two seconds. He was like this. Dog, that look. That look, yeah, bro. yeah, oh yeah, that look was hilarious. <laughs> like he had his hand in a cookie jar, like, oh, ACB. <laughs> he was like, hey, he was like Red's dad uh, uh, in, in Friday. <laughs> Why you keep coming down here messing with these folk? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Sometime in the near future, in the very near, near future, really good guests coming up. Yep. Um, getting to be baseball season. I'm going to take this show on the road a little bit. Yep. Double J. Deuces, my man. Hoggy. See you next week, man. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. 
I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Next Chapter Podcasts.